again, our panellist, Shogo Williams-Matsuoka, is Planning Director and President Nominee for the Rotary E-Club of Western Australia. Shogo has been a Rotarian since 2014. As someone born with spina bifida, Shogo believes that people with disabilities should be given the opportunity to, to perform social roles that provide value to the community. Shogo is chairperson of the Coburn Disability Reference Group and has authored a master's thesis on intellectual disability and democratic citizenship. He received his master's earlier this year. And it's now my very great pleasure to introduce our panelist, Shogo Williams-Matsuoka. Over to you, please, Shogo. Thank you, Kero. Uh, thank you for everybody um, who's attended tonight. Uh, it's a real, real honour to be a part of these membership voice webinars and I look forward to starting a conversation about how to recruit people with disability to Rotary Clubs. So we'll just begin with the introduction. Okay, so today we're going to cover a few different uh, topics and these are quite broad topics. So hopefully the later stage we can go into more detail. But today we'll just stick with some of the basics. Um, and the first thing we'll look at is the background of people with disability in Australia. Secondly, we'll look at the benefits of recruiting people with disability into Rotary. Next, we'll look at the potential barriers towards involvement for people with disability in Rotary. Then we'll look at what are reasonable adjustments and how they can address barriers. Then we'll look at engaging people with disability in Rotary. And lastly, but not least, we will look at promoting contemporary attitudes towards people with disability in Rotary. Okay, so in terms of understanding disability, the first thing we need to look at is how disability is defined. And there are plenty of ways of defining disability and for me, this is probably the most um, pertinent definition I've found because it's a legislative definition. And as you can see by this definition, um, disability is quite a broad definition of um, different uh, conditions. And they can be of the physical, intellectual, neurological, auditory, or sensory nature. And then they can also be psychosocial as well. So disability is quite diverse. And with that, it also brings a diverse set of abilities as well. So it's important that, to remember that disabilities are also diverse abilities. And over 4 million people in Australia have some form of, some form of disability. Uh, so we're talking about one in five people and the likelihood of disability increases with age, with two out of five people over 65 having disability. And for Rotary, this is a really important statistic because the average age of a Rotarian is 70. So not only do existing Rotarians could potentially have a disability, but also we need to attract new members as well who have a disability. So. That's a really important statistic to remember. And also 28% of people with disability have experienced some form of discrimination when interacting with an organisation. 
And furthermore, people with disability are more likely to avoid an organisation if they have a negative diversity reputation. So in terms of reputation, making sure that our clubs are inclusive and accessible for people with disability are a paramount. Uh, there are various benefits for recruiting people with disability into Rotary. And these are some of the main benefits. Um, there are countless benefits I could list, but these are the most important ones. And the first one is that clubs can gain access to people who have acquired specific skills uh, by way of overcoming barriers that can be applied to other contexts. And people with disability can also bring their knowledge and expertise to address barriers towards inclusivity within Rotary, uh, which is what I'm doing today with my knowledge of disability. And organisations that have a diverse membership profile have a better reputation, as I touched on before. And I think reputation is, means quite a lot to Rotary. Uh, the potential barriers towards involvement in Rotary for people with disability could be um, lack of understanding or awareness about someone's involvement in Rotary. Um, there could be some unfounded concerns that people with disability are less reliable because of their health. And there have been quite a few studies um, looking at um, how reliable people with disability are in the workplace. And those studies have found that they're just as reliable as anyone else in the workforce. So that's a bit of a myth that, um, that needs to be addressed. And there's also the lack of reasonable adjustments made to rotary venues and activities. So that could be things like ramps or, or it could be to do with um, communication tools that blind people or people with um, hearing impairments could benefit from. Um, and there's also lack of awareness about different methods of communication. Um, because as I said before, some people with disability communicate in different ways, um, whether it's through Braille or sign language, Auslan, and there are countless methods that people use to communicate. And it's important that we understand um, those different methods. You know, if we do have people with disability with complex communication needs, So what are reasonable adjustments? So reasonable adjustments refer to the changes made to inaccessible work environments. Um, and this can come in various forms. So the first one is assistive technology. Um, an example of that is screen reading software, um, which is what some visually impaired people use to, to do their work. Um, we can also make reasonable adjustments to by changing processes. Um, and that could be by maintaining club documents and forms in a verbal um, format. Um, another adjustment could be swapping duties that might be unsuitable for a person and their needs. Um, and another Adjustment could be um, additional rest breaks, um, which might benefit somebody who has a fatigue 
um, who has symptoms of fatigue as a result of their disability. Um, but there are countless other adjustments that can be made and it's really important to, um, you know, to establish what could be done to adjust the rotary experience for people with disability by engaging in that conversation. Um, so here are a few tips of engage in regards to engaging people with disability. Uh, the first one is to establish relationships with groups that work with people with disability. And I think this is something that Rotary's probably done already with some uh, groups that represent uh, various disabilities. Um, so I think that's always good to continue if that's already been done. Um, and there are countless groups out there, whether they're um, to do with advocacy or a specific disability group like uh, motor neuron disease, for example. Um, another way that we can engage people with disability more better is by following um, accessibility and inclusion principles when promoting the club to the public. Um, and the way we could do that or an example of how we can do that is by having an accessible club website because um, the club website is usually one of the first places that people look to join Rotary. So if that can be made more accessible, um, that would help to attract members into Rotary who have you know, various disabilities. Um, and I've put some links at the end of the presentation that talk about, about accessible websites. And the next thing is to um, think of accessibility and inclusion principles when providing services to the public. Um, and this refers to any events that you might be holding as a club. Um, and I've also put a link to um, accessible events and how you can make um, events more accessible for people with disability as well. So that's something to consider. And it's also important to think in think outside of the box when it comes to accessibility and I guess get beyond the notion that it's all about ramps and toilets. Um, you know, again, I think website accessibility is another area that can get overlooked, um, but it's probably one of the most important ones because um, the internet is how we engage with a lot of um, community organisations these days. And I guess the last thing to remember with engaging people with disability is to ask people with disability how they want to be engaged. Um, because people with disability will have different needs, they will use different um, assistive technologies to, you know, to manage their lives. So, you know, it's important to work within people's needs and not to make assumptions. Um, promoting contemporary disabilities towards people, uh, contemporary attitudes towards people with disability um, is something that we should also do because um, our disability is a social issue. We're not just talking about the impairment. Um, and, uh, you know, in, in recent years, the focus on disability is more about removing the social barriers that are 
created, um, you know, that affect people with disability and to address those rather than thinking about how people are affected medically. Um, and we also should recognise that people with disability have the ability to make decisions for themselves. So self-determination is really important and that we need to um, recognise that um, self-determination is a contemporary um, belief for people with disability. And the language that we use to discuss disability also um, it's important for setting the expectations and, um, you know, I guess the way that we value people with disability in society and um, the language that we use to discuss disability has changed over the years. And, you know, there are various words that we no longer use. Um, although there are some words like the word retard, for example, that um, according to statistics are used every five, it's used every five minutes on the internet to, um, you know, some sort of insult. So I think there needs to be more work to be done to address um, language. Um, and I think as an organisation, you know, we can do our bit to um, promote contemporary language when discussing disability. Uh, the next thing is to avoid using pity and sympathy when discussing disability. And I think it's easy for a lot of charitable organisations who are fundraising on disability causes to um, focus on how disability can be de debilitating and crippling and how people can be confined, um, you know, to a wheelchair or, or their condition. And I think that approach can have the effect of disempowering people with disability. So, you know, we do, we do need to find some way of talking about people with disability in a way that empowers them and doesn't create notions of pity and sympathy. Um, and I think as an organisation, we can also take a leading role in changing attitudes towards people with disability. Uh, because we're an international organisation, you know, we can use our resources to, you know, to um, help, um, you know, promoting inclusivity and accessibility for people with disability. And we also need to challenge limiting beliefs towards disability as well. Um, and talk about people with disability in regards to what they're capable of and not what their impairments are. Um, so just before we get to the end of this presentation, I've put down a few different um, things to consider in order to make disability inclusion and accessibility possible for your club. And what I advise is to work with your club to see what needs to be done to make your club more accessible and inclusive. And this can be done by asking questions such as, does your club promote contemporary attitudes towards people with disability? Does your club have the capacity to provide a supportive environment for people with disability? How would you incorporate people with disability into performing club roles? Is your club physically accessible for everyone? And does your club's public relations strategy accommodate people with disability? Um, 
And those are quite big conversations to have. So I don't expect everything to happen overnight. Um, but it's just something that, that needs to be considered and, and um, it's important to involve the whole club in this discussion um, because collective action is what drives change. So in conclusion, people with disability comprise a large section of the population and many of them are potential Rotarians. Accessibility inclusion is the first step to actively involving people with disability. And making reasonable adjustments can address some of the barriers that might affect people with disability in Rotary. And we can also think about accessibility and inclusion in, in a holistic manner when engaging with people with disability and, you know, go beyond the notion of ramps and toilets being, you know, the main accessibility features. And we also need to recognise that disability is caused by socially constructed barriers that restrict life, to life choices um, and go beyond the medical understanding that we've had for so many years and just focuses on the impairment and how that restricts people because there are socially constructed barriers that can be restrictive as well. And then lastly, work with your club members to build an accessible and inclusive club for people with disability. And I've provided some reading material just to, um, I guess, broaden your understanding because obviously it's hard to cover so many different topics in 20 minutes. So hopefully this will broaden your understanding and uh, you know, if you do have any questions, um, feel free to use the Q&A box. Um, or, you, or feel free to contact me as well. I'm happy to, um, you know, to speak to anybody um, through Facebook or LinkedIn. Um, I will um, make sure that, you know, people have my details um, so that we can, um, you know, have, um, you know, further conversations. Um, so thank you everybody for listening and um, and um, I'll proceed to the Q&A session. Right. Thank you, Shogo. We do have some, uh, we do have some questions here for you. Um, the first question is, and I think this is a, uh, perhaps a, 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 a restatement, how important is language when, ad when addressing the issues of inclusion and disability? So I think language is probably one of the most important things when it comes to inclusivity, um, because language, I guess, sets the expectations that people have for people with disability. Um, as I said before, you know, by using derogatory terms such as retard or handicap or spastic, you know, we're creating, um, you know, stigma for people with disability where using language that, um, you know, that has negative connotations and, you know, portrays people with disability well for their impairments as opposed to, you know, to, to their abilities. Um, so I think when it comes to addressing people with disability using language, um, you know, I think it's important to recognise people first before the disability. So, 
you know, I think using the term people with disability is quite important because we need to recognise that people with disability are individuals and um, that their group identity is second to that as being a person with disability. Um, you know, everybody has different abilities, different needs, and, you know, we should consider that first before anything. So, yeah, people first for me. But, um, you know, other people have different views. Um, so the language can be, um, you know, people have different expectations about language, but um, I guess that's my take on it. Fine. Thank you, Shogo. Okay. Um, a follow-up question to something you said in, the, uh, in your presentation. Uh, this is about specifics. What specific actions can we as a club take to improve the attitude of society to inclusion? So this is practical steps a club can take to include to improve that broader attitude to inclusion of people with disability. Um, well, I guess the first thing is language. I think that's really important. Um, and I think accessibility as well. I did touch on, you know, making sure the way that you engage people with disability um, is inclusive. So having an accessible website, um, like even on Facebook, I think a practical step to take is to um, caption photos that you might produce um, on your page because that helps people with visual impairments to, um, um, or I guess have you know, you know visual descriptions of your photos and that. Um, so yeah, there are various ways of including people in club activities. Um, Um, and yeah, I think the most important principle to follow is not to make assumptions as well. So if you do have a club member with a disability, I think it's important that they're um, that you maintain you know constructive dialogue and um, you know that their needs are addressed. Um. That leads into I think that leads into another question we have here. Uh, during your presentation, you made a very good point about. Uh, the ageing population in some Rotary clubs and that uh, as people get older, uh, so they, uh, they, 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 they can be afflicted by, uh, by disability. Um, they can experience disability. So where we have a situation where um, existing Rotarians may have disabilities, but those disabilities may not be obvious example obviously some some uh, some forms of disability are more uh, are more easily uh, identified than others how could a club if they were they were looking to identify things that may inadvertently be excluding current members through through having a disability how could a club how could a club address that obviously it's a very sensitive issue it is, and I think one thing I didn't touch on in my presentation was invisible disabilities because there are some disabilities that are more visible than others. Um, having a physical disability myself, mine's more visible because of the wheelchair. So um, that's a very good question because, um, because, you know, it is quite hard to address invisible disabilities. And I guess what I could say is that you know, it is important to have practices and procedures that 
address any indirect discrimination beforehand um, so that if there is a situation where somebody does have a disability, then at least the, there's some sort of policy or procedural framework that can respond to that. Um, so, you know, somebody does have a disability and it's not obvious, then at least some of those procedures might be able to address that more proactively. Um, you know, I think maybe it's better to be proactive rather than reactive when it comes to addressing people's needs. And I think having the policies and procedures might help with that. What are some good partner organisations that Rotary Clubs could partner with to, uh, to help to break, the, break down the, uh, the barriers to inclusion? Um, so there are various organisations, uh, I believe, that are furthering the, um, um, you know, um, inclusion and accessibility for people with disability. And that's organisations like People with Disability WA who advocate on behalf of people with disability. Um, you know, I think they understand quite a lot when it comes to the, um, you know, some of the attitudes and um, physical barriers that people with disability are trying to overcome. Um, and there's also Inclusion WA as well. They're, um, you know, quite notable, for, you know, promoting um, inclusivity for people with disability. Um, there's also the uh, Youth Disability Advocacy Network who are affiliated with the Youth Affairs Council of WA. So if you want to engage with people with young, if you want to engage with young people with disability, then they're a good organisation to partner with as well. Um, and I've met some of those members um, during Coburn Disability Reference Group meetings as well. Um, so those might be examples of groups that we could partner with um, if we haven't done so already. Um, and I think those groups are committed to you know, promoting positive attitudes towards people with disability and overcoming some of the socially constructed barriers that, um, that affect people with disability. Thanks, Jogo. Uh, a question, a question here from, uh, um, oh, this, I, this, I, think, I think this one is a, a, a pretty special question. Have, have you found your experience in Rotary has been inclusive? Are there things that we could do better? I think for the most part, it's been quite inclusive. Um, you know, I haven't come across too many situations where I've encountered anything that made me feel, um, you know, unincluded or anything. Um, I was a bit disappointed by the um, Rotary um, conference we had um, last month where, you know, there wasn't ramp access to the um, marquee. I thought that was a bit disappointing. Um, and I think that could have been avoided if there was, um, you know, a bit more consideration, you know, about who was there and, you know, some of the needs that people might have. Um, you know, I think when you plan big events like that, it's important to, um, 
you know, to ask people whether they have accessibility needs. Um, and, you know, that could probably be done on the application form. Um, and then that way we can, you know, try and make events more accessible. Um, but other than that, I haven't really experienced anything that has made my experience less enjoyable on the basis of, um, of accessibility or, or inclusion. Um, yeah. The next question comes to another, another this, this is another question to do with language, but a different aspect of it. Um, this question is, would you consider the name of our camp Handicamp to be acceptable when considering the issue of language as a whole? Um, so I've thought a lot about the Handicamp issue because it has you know, been a contentious issue um, you know, regarding the language of um, people with disability and you know, I think the work the Handicamp does is great. You know, the actual camp isn't the problem, but um, you know, I do think the use of the word handicap, you know, is a outdated term and, um, you know, it does have common connotations with the medical understanding of disability and, you know, it tends to focus more on the impairment um, as opposed to what people with disability can do and what they can contribute to society. Um, and, you know, I think we, I think in order to be in line with contemporary attitudes towards people with disability, I think the name needs to be something different. Um, you know, in my view, I think, um, you know, I think everything that Rotary does needs to be in line with contemporary attitudes towards people with disability. And that would be a good example of, of addressing, um, of addressing that. Thanks, Shogo. Um, a broad question here. How can we change our PR to better include people with disability? This gets back, I think, to your, uh, uh, your reference to PR strategies, to improving our PR strategies and the like. I think this is looking for some specific examples of things to do. Um. So I guess it's, you know, looking at all aspects of that communication. So the first thing is the um, websites, which I touched on. Um, our use of social media can also be addressed. So whether we're using captioning when we're posting photos, so visually impaired people can, um, you know, can have visual, um, can have, um, you know, descriptions of those photos. Um, Um, what's other things we could look at? Um, you know, are we captioning our, our visual content as well? I think that's really important. Um, and I think it's become a lot easier to caption videos these days. Um, so it's just about, you know, look, looking at different techniques that can, um, you know, support our PR strategy. Um, I'm happy to take that question and notice, though, to see if there's any resources available that, um, that you know, might help inform a PR strategy, because um, I think it's something I should have included in the resources at the end of the presentation. Um, 
I think that uh, those those who care about this topic, and that's a fairly large part of our of our Rotary population, uh, would welcome uh, would welcome specific pointers on uh, in this area, Shogo, because uh, certainly uh, I think that a lot of whatever exclusion there is or lack of inclusion. Um, Sorry, I'm having difficulties trying to hear not, you. Yeah, um, just just saying that uh, I don't think I don't think there's any. Uh, there's any lack of uh, of goodwill in it in that department. So, yeah. Um, do we have any other questions? No. It looks like we've come. Looks like we've come to the end of the uh, uh, to the end of our list of questions at this stage, Shogo. So, uh, um, this is probably a good time to uh, to close the webinar session. If there are no other questions, let's just allow a moment. If uh, anyone has any. No, nothing coming through. So, um, yeah, thank you for your uh, for your excellent presentation tonight, Shogo. It's a thank you, and um, feel free to um, get in touch with me if you have any further questions. If you um, want to engage in more of a one-on-one -on -one dialogue with me, I'm happy to in engage myself. So, uh, thank you, everybody, for um, listening and. Um, you know, I look forward to um, continuing this discussion at a further time. Thank you, Shogo. Thank you again, Shogo, and uh, farewell, everyone, and thank you for being with us tonight.